Hello and welcome to the First and Ten Podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Feltz. I'm here in Bloomington, Indiana. One last time before I go back to Indy, uh, finishing up the semester uh, down here in Bloomington. We're getting into the fifth week of Big Ten football, if you can believe it or not. Like, this season's flying by. We're already, uh, this is is pretty much the halfway point uh, of a nine-week season. Uh, Week five is the midpoint. So halfway done, uh, and we've still got a long ways to go. Uh, and I can't wait. We've got a good one this week. Two gigantic matchups that will decide the Big Ten East and the Big Ten West. Can't wait to get into it. My co-host, Reed Murray, who's in Nashville, Tennessee. What's going on, Reed? Hey, Patrick. Um, if you're watching this on YouTube, which I encourage you to, you can see I've got on some uh, business attire. I've got on my tie and my button-down shirt. Um, because this week, it's Ohio State, Indiana, and it's all business. Ohio State has to take care of business. It's got to be serious. We can't take anything for granted. Because this is the game. This seems to be the game where Ohio State gets upset this year. Every year, it's it's the mold of the not Indiana is a much better team than the Iowa's and Purdue's. We've gotten upset by before, but Ohio State has to take it seriously, have an all business approach. So that's what I'm going with with my uh, at attire this week. Reed Murray and the Buckeyes are strictly business this week, uh, taking on Indiana. And you can see that on our YouTube channel, First and 1G. Search it up on YouTube. You can watch our podcast in video form. Every single episode will be uploaded. You can see our beautiful faces. You can see Reed's uh, suit and tie. Uh, He's got the business like the Buckeyes. And let's get into that game. Let's get into it. Uh, It is not our first game chronologically. We usually like to go chronologically here, but I mean, we're not going to leave this one on the table. We got to talk about Indiana, Ohio State, number nine at number three. Uh, first top 10 matchup uh, in this series history. And uh, it couldn't get much better than this for, for either team. This is, this is, this is the big one. <laughs> this is the big tennis championship game, essentially. Yeah. I can't see any way that one of these two teams doesn't win the East. I mean, it's technically possible say Indiana wins, they drop a few games and Ohio state still ends up winning the East or vice versa, but essentially the winner of this game uh, we can pretty confidently declare will be the winner of the Big Ten East. And you've got to say this is the biggest game in Indiana football history. They're going up against uh, one of the best teams they've ever faced. Um, and it's a game where they actually have a chance to win. The betting lines don't favor them. The betting lines are saying 21 points in Ohio State's favor, which even I as a strong Ohio State fan um, and somebody who's a little bit skeptical of the Indiana hype. I mean, I, I think I, I believe in Indiana, but I'm a little bit skeptical of it. I think that's too big of a spread for this game. Um, But Indiana is going into a road game against Ohio State, number three Ohio State, with expectations, with the potential of a win and the potential to remain undefeated and to go 5-0. and When was the last time you saw that? So I think you can pretty confidently say this is the biggest game in Hoosier history. And at first glance, it kind of seems like Ohio State wins a somewhat close game. And Indiana can get the upset, especially when you consider how well Indiana typically plays against the Buckeyes, even when they've been down having their uh, six and six, five or seven or so seasons. They've always kept it close with Ohio State. Two years in a row, 2014 and 2015, they gave Ohio State some serious scares, and it came down to Jalen Marshall and Ezekiel Elliott to pull Ohio State out of there. But Indiana has typically given Ohio State trouble. However, they've never really been able to seal the deal, at least not since the beginning of this century. And If I was not an Ohio State fan, I would be rooting for Indiana so hard. But obviously, I can't turn my back on my Buckeyes. Um, 
And I, as, a, as an objective college football fan, I want this to be a close game. I want this to be exciting because I like it when Ohio State plays exciting games. I don't want to see us blow everybody out all season because as much as that's fun to see, you want to have some exciting games. Problem with that, though, is Ohio State is stronger at every position. I think there's not really a position on the football field where you can say Indiana, their best player is better than Ohio State's best. And I would even argue you could say that with the running game, Indiana can run the ball better with Stevie Scott. I would argue that's not even true because while Stevie Scott is probably a better running back than Master Teague or Trey Sermon as individuals, I think the entire running unit, especially with dual threat quarterback Justin Fields thrown in the equation, makes Ohio State's overall running game better than that of Indiana. So it just comes down to the fact that Ohio State has superior athletes at every position, which makes it hard for me to envision a scenario in which the Indiana Hoosiers come away from Columbus with a win. And I think on the field, the biggest problem for Indiana is Michael Penix. And that's not to say he's a bad player or anything, but the problem is his style of play doesn't match up with a win against Ohio State, at least under the circumstances of the 2020 season, because Penix likes to throw the deep ball. He makes risky passes, and it's a huge part of his game. That's how he gets success, especially against teams like Michigan State, and we just saw he did it against Michigan, too. But when you put him against the Ohio State defense, he won't be able to pass the ball the way he normally does. So Indiana can either try to throw the deep ball, try to fit it into tight windows, and will likely fail at least a few times throughout the game against these stronger Ohio State defensive backs, or they can try to contain Penix into a more traditional offensive style. And he just isn't that type of quarterback. And I think that would fail as well. I think the Indiana passing game is going to struggle. And you also have to consider the fact that the Indiana offensive line has looked shaky. They looked especially shaky against Penn State. But I don't have a lot of confidence in this Indiana O-line. And they're going up, going up against arguably the best defensive line unit in college football. I haven't heard a lot of talk of people giving Ohio State that title. But I would be ready to make that case for them when you consider all the stars they have, all the production uh, that's up front for this Ohio State defense. So Penix is going to be pressured. Penix doesn't like to be pressured. So I think it's going to come down to if Penix can actually be a dual threat quarterback and get it down to the ground because he has the legs, he has the speed, he has the elusiveness to be able to do it, but we don't really see him run the ball very often. So I think it's going to come down to can you establish a offense where Michael Penix runs the ball frequently and gets yards because we've seen this, these Ohio State linebackers they tend to uh, to fold when they have a quarterback who really puts pressure on them that way. Problem is, I don't think that happens. Penix, he's he's set in his ways of he wants to pass the ball deep, he wants to pat, throw these dangerous balls, and I think that's going to hurt him. I think it's going to hurt the Indiana offense as a whole. Um, so, like I said, it's really going to come down to whether or not Michael Penix can run the football effectively, and also Stevie Scott, how effective he's going to be, um, and potentially Samson James as well. He's a former Ohio State commit, decommitted, went to Indiana. Um, I think it's going to be all about the ground game. Um, and that's really the only way Indiana could be within 10 points of Ohio State when it's all said and done. You know, uh, you, you called this game the biggest game in Indiana history. I don't know about that. 1968 Rose Bowl against USC, OJ. I think that's bigger, but this is this is top five. Uh, and without a shadow of a doubt, this is the biggest Indiana football game of my lifetime. Uh, they've got legitimate playoff aspirations and it's incredible. Uh, win or lose, it's incredible they've made it this far. And I think it certainly bodes well for the future of this program. Uh, let's take it back a little bit. 1988, the last time the Hoosiers beat the Buckeyes, they beat them in Bloomington. Uh, won back-to-back -back games, actually. They won the game in 1987, too, in Columbus. Uh, that 87 game, uh, Coach Earl Bruce called it the darkest day in Ohio State history uh, when the Hoosiers came into Columbus and won. 
uh, that game, which uh, I guess that says a lot about your program when losing to them is the darkest day in the history of another team. Uh, and if there's any team who that makes sense for, it's Indiana. And if there's any team who that'd be the darkest day for, it's Ohio State. Uh, I don't know if it would be quite as dark as uh, this 2020 team uh, winning uh, here on the road in Columbus again. For Indiana to win, I've got five keys to success. I have five things that it's going to take, and you've got to do that, and you've got to do it to a T. Uh, I don't agree with you that Michael Penix needs to run the ball. Uh, he has shown he can do it for sure, but that's not a big part of his game. What you need for Michael Penix is you need surgical precision. He makes a lot of these great throws on tight ropes. Uh, we saw it last week against Michigan State. Remember that touchdown pass, 62 yards, Ty Freifogel. Uh, that ball was placed on a dime. It's a lot easier to do that against Michigan State than it is against Ohio State. Michael Penix needs to show that he can make these amazing throws against not just a bad team or a mediocre team, but against an elite team. Can Michael Penix do that? That's key number one. Key number two comes in the pressure that Indiana is going to be bringing defensively. Uh, I went back and I watched every throw that Justin Fields has made. Uh, I've watched every throw he's made this season. I went through and I specifically looked at the throws he made against Rutgers because that meant uh, in that Rutgers game, you had two weeks of film on him for this season. You had two weeks of film with this specific offensive line, with these weapons, with this running back group. Uh, so in that Rutgers game, Rutgers is sending four guys a lot in their blitzes, a lot of four-man blitzes. A four-man rush is not going to get uh, to Justin Fields when he has that offensive line protecting him. But the minute you send a fifth guy in blitz, when that's your package, you're sending five-minute blitz, the pocket starts to collapse a little bit. And that's the only time Justin Fields is going to make a mistake. He's either going to he can dodge a lot of guys. He, he is such an athletic player. And I mean, that's not a surprise to say that he can get out of the pocket. Uh, he tends to roll out and he can even step up and, and make a defender miss, but you can only do that so many times. Uh, the pocket will collapse. If you send five guys, that's how it works. Especially with this offensive line, four guys ain't going to do it. That's the way you're going to have to get him to make a mistake. Justin Fields doesn't make a whole lot of mistakes. So you got to force, him to make a mistake and that's by collapsing that pocket and giving him a whole heck of a lot less time to throw hand in hand with that is that you've got to trust your defensive backs because when you're sending five guys that means you are gonna have one less guy in coverage and whether that's probably a linebacker but even if you've got one less linebacker in coverage it means you got to trust your defensive backs and if there's any team in all of college football who trusts their defensive backs it's indiana indiana's defensive backs have been the strength of not just the defense but the entire team it's been a lot of jamar johnson a lot of devon matthews and certainly a lot of Taiwan Mullen. Uh, and with the defensive backs too, you're going to see a lot of interesting blitz packages from Indiana because I think you're going to see, even sometimes you'll see two corners blitz just to try and uh, maybe get a sack on Justin Fields. Because again, uh, once you start running that five-man blitz uh, where you just send another defensive lineman or linebacker, Ohio State's going to get used to that. They're going to start calling plays around that and uh, they're going to have extra blockers. And uh, frankly, they can just beat it. So you got to get creative. You got to send a safety blitz. You got to send a corner blitz occasionally. And while that's an incredibly risky play, Indiana's pulled it off quite a few times this season. Uh, Taiwan Mullen had a game where he had two sacks already. So uh, they can certainly do a corner blitz. And I think that's uh, kind of a tricky move they're going to have to do because you can't just play head-to-head -head regular football with this team like you could against a team of equal skill level to you. Because quite frankly, Ohio State is a more skilled football team than Indiana. You got to get creative. They just have better athletes, uh, better recruited players. You got to get creative. You got to do things to try and swing the momentum and swing the scoreboard in your favor, swing the field in your favor too. So that's my second blitz. 
or my second point, and it comes with the blitzes and your defensive backs. Or, well, that's my third point, really, is the uh, defensive backs. Second point was the blitzes. My fourth point is you don't want to fall for the play action, not even once, because you will be exposed. Ohio State's run game has not been great this season, uh, especially when you compare it to last year with J.K. Dobbins and all the other years with J.K. Dobbins and uh, Ezekiel Elliott, whoever. Uh, the play action is not going to be something uh, you're going to see a lot because that run game is just such a afterthought to the pass game for Ohio State. But when they pull it out, uh, if you send all your guys to cover the run, they're going to expose you. So you can't fall for the play action because you'll leave a receiver open. And if you leave one of these Ohio State receivers open, they might take it to the house. They're that good. Uh, and the fifth thing is you got to be cool in the moment. You got to, this is a big game. Uh, it doesn't take me to say that. Everybody knows how big a game this is. You got to slow down because none of these Indiana players have been on a stage this big in their entire lives. You got to slow down, soak it all in, and not get caught up in it. I watched Urban Meyer on the Big Ten Network the other day. He was talking about this. He was talking about some of his easy game, too. Uh, he said when he was in big games at Ohio State, Lou Holtz would text him and basically say, uh, more or less, it's a big game because of the guys in your locker room and the way those guys are playing. So if you're Indiana, you got to remember, this isn't a top 10 matchup because uh, I'm paraphrasing Urban Meyer here. It's not a top 10 matchup because it's Ohio State versus Indiana. It's a top 10 matchup because Indiana's playing the way they are and Ohio State's playing the way they are. And you got to remember that your guys are playing hard and you're playing your hearts out and you're winning games and you're in the top 10. You're there for a reason. This is a big game for a reason. If you can do all that for Indiana, if you can do those five things, Michael's got to be elite. He's got to make all those throws he makes against bad teams, against an elite one. Uh, you got to send interesting blitz packages. You got to trust your DBs. Don't fall for the play action, not even once. And you got to be cool. You just got to calm down, relax, and be cool. Do all that, and I think you're in business. You got to do it perfectly because this team is hard to beat. You've thrown in uh, your five keys for Indiana. Let me throw in a sixth key or something that's going to be huge for Indiana. Third downs. Stopping Ohio State on third down is going to be enormous. And not only that, but making sure they lose yardage. Because Ohio State, they're a team where Justin Fields, he can get sacked once or twice, uh, you know, in, in a drive. And on a third down, they're able to still pick up huge chunks of yardage. If it's third down, you need to get a sack, get a tackle for a loss or something, and make sure that the, that, uh, the first down is four or more yards away. Ohio State is not afraid to go for and fourth down at all. So you need to consistently have Ohio State having fourth and five, fourth and 10, any kind of fourth and long, um, and keep them out of four down, four down territory. Because if you give Ohio State four downs to work with, they're going to succeed. Getting huge stops on third down is going to be enormous for Indiana. And, that, and uh, that, that's where the blitz packages come in. Because if you're sending five guys on third down, more often than not, you're going to create pressure, which either leads to an incompletion, which Justin Fields doesn't throw many of, or it could lead to a sack. It could lead to him scrambling and maybe getting a yard. Uh, not a whole lot of times. If you can make that pocket truly collapse and he doesn't get the ball off quickly enough and you cover the receivers tightly enough to where they can't get open so he can throw the ball and, and get out of there, get out of the pressure, uh, you're going to do something good and you're going to do something big. And that's what it's going to take on third down. I think it all comes down to the play calls and the blitzes and the amount of guys you're sending at the quarterback, because you got to send a lot of guys to get to this Ohio state offensive line and to get to Justin Fields. And while you talk about this, uh, these DV blitzes and these safety blitzes on one hand, it's really good that you 
it's a good strategy to, to mix it up with your blitz packages, change it up on defense. Don't give Ohio State the same play over and over again to work with. But last season against Michigan, last game of the regular season, Michigan tried to send a lot of DB blitzes and to give the receivers um, a lot of field to work with. Essentially, try to stop the play before it starts. And it didn't work because you give receivers like Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, Jamison Williams, Jackson Smith and Jigba, et cetera, et cetera, time and space deep in the field. Ohio State's just going to throw 50 yard passes on you all day long. So I think you can throw in a good DB blitz every now and then, but that can't be a consistent part of your play calling on defense. And that leads me to my next point that it seems like every potential play, every power play Indiana can run, Ohio State seems to have a block for it. And there always seems to be a way out of it here. And that just comes down to having better athletes at every position, recruiting at a higher level, being a bigger brand. So that's just at a certain point, I think no matter how well coached or how well developed these Indiana players are, when your team is built of three and four stars, it's going to be extremely difficult to go in and beat this Ohio State team on the road, especially the Ohio State team who is just so well-rounded at every position. And that's the thing. This is this isn't just an Ohio State team. This Ohio State team is contending for a national championship. This is an Ohio State team that's hungry, an Ohio State team that's got a bad taste in their mouth from last year. They are not in the business of losing games because they want to go make the playoff. They want to go beat Clemson. They want to go beat Alabama. They want to go beat Notre Dame. They're going to beat anybody because uh, their mission is to win a national championship. Uh, and Indiana just so happens to be their biggest test before the playoff, assuming they can get to the playoff. Uh, I think this is their biggest test. Uh, maybe the Big Ten Championship, if it's Wisconsin, Northwestern, whoever, uh, assuming Ohio State could, could get the win here, it's going to be tough. This is going to be a really tough game for Ohio State, and we're going to see a lot uh, with these freshmen because the thing with both of these teams is that in the grand scheme of things, yeah, Indiana's played a lot of big names, but their schedule, when you look at it, has not been too tough. And Ohio State, too, their schedule has not been too tough. Can these freshmen for Ohio State who have been big, uh, these receivers, can they step up and can they be big against a team with elite defensive backs? I think that's another big question for Ohio State. And uh, and the running backs too, because Trey Sermon and Master Teague have been okay. They've just been okay. And can they be great? Because uh, if any team is going to clamp down uh, to whatever extent, you can even clamp down the Ohio State passing attack. If any team is going to do it to any extent, it's going to be Indiana because they have the best defensive backs in the Big Ten. Uh, so if you're going to do that, if you're going to have probably one of the lower passing performances that Justin Fields is going to have all season, I'm not saying he's going to have a bad game by any means. He's Justin Fields. Uh, he's probably going to have a good game, and he's probably going to have better games against every other team. Assuming the passing game is weaker than usual this week, and that's relative to the best passing game maybe in the entire country, can the running game step up? And I don't know. We're going to have to see. should be interesting. And I think when you talk about that Ohio State run game, part of the reason why the running backs haven't looked particularly impressive is because they didn't have to. Ohio State got points on the board early against teams like Penn State and Rutgers, and they did it with their receivers. And the receivers are a better unit than the Ohio State running backs. But I think these Ohio State running backs have what it takes. They just haven't really had to. It hasn't been a necessity for Ohio State to run the ball to extreme effectiveness. And I think if you give this running game enough plays and enough time, they will eventually find their stride and they'll be able to win a game for Ohio State. But um, let's, this is another one of my points about this Ohio State um, Indiana game is while Indiana might have what it takes to pull off the upset, if the coaching is there, 
This game seems to follow the exact recipe for an Ohio State blowout win. Let me explain. Let's look at some of the games where Ohio State beats a ranked team by an unexpectedly large score. Nebraska in 2016, Bucks win by, not, by 59. Michigan State in 2017, Michigan State was ranked, I believe, 15 or so at the time. Ohio State won by 45. Michigan in 2018, Ohio State wins by a score of 62 to 39. That was a game where Michigan was ranked higher and they were favored, and even Kirk Herbstreit picked against Ohio State. Wisconsin in 2019 at home. This is not the Big Ten Championship. This is the regular season matchup. Ohio State wins by 31. All of these games are big blowouts that nobody really saw coming, and I think they all have these elements. A highly ranked Ohio State team, an opponent who has expectations or an opponent who's ranked um, and well-respected, and superior talent on Ohio State's side. The thing is, when Ohio State comes into a game against a ranked opponent, they play to the level that they play against Clemson, that they play against Alabama, that they play against a Wisconsin in the Big Ten Championship or so. They raise it up to their playoff standard of performance. And the thing is, I don't think Indiana has what it takes to play against a team as well-rounded as Ohio State when they're at their playoff capacity. So these things are all here for the Ohio State Indiana game this season. And you can make the case that the difference in talent between the two sides is even more prevalent. Um, so Ohio State knows they have a big game. And when they know they have a big game, the mindset is always there. When you combine the Ohio State talent and coaching with the correct mindset for a game like this, that is a scary, deadly combination. And I just don't think Indiana has what it takes. And as much as I respect Indiana, please, everybody listening and Patrick, you too, please don't think that I'm just being an Ohio State homer or an Indiana hater or anything. I'm making this prediction based off of trends I've seen in games like this in the past and just what I know about what this Ohio State team can do. I have Ohio State winning this one 38 to 10 and covering the spread. 38 to 10? No. I knew you'd hate that pick. <laughs> no, I, knew you'd hate I, I hate that pick. You know what, Reed? And just to spite you, just to spite you, I'm picking Indiana 34 to 30. I mean, if Indiana's going to win the game, it's going to be a score like that, I think. It's going to be close. The close one is going to be a high-scoring one. No doubt in my mind it's going to be close and it's going to be high-scoring. You know, as much as we talk about the X's and O's and we talk about the player matchups and whatever, what it comes down to for me is fate. Indiana's got fate on their side. Ohio State's got a chip on their shoulder from last season. They have a bad taste in their mouth. Indiana's got a bad taste in their mouth from 35 years of this. I think this is just the year. I think it's the year. I've not seen an Indiana football team like this in my lifetime. Ohio State's not seen an Indiana football team like this ever. I think it's the year. Indiana. And let me just say, when I make my prediction where I have Ohio State winning by 28 points, that's not to say that there is zero shot of Indiana making an upset. I think this game goes one of two ways. You get an upset, or not an upset, you get a win similar to that of the Ohio State-Wisconsin game last year where it's two highly ranked, highly respected teams and Ohio State just blows the doors off of them or Indiana comes up with a close win. I can't really see Ohio State winning this game by seven points. I think they either win it huge or they lose it. I don't see much gray area in between uh, between the two of those scenarios. With this team, I think they're going to blow a lot of teams out. When they're better than a team and they have everything on their side, when they are just flat out better in every single way and there's nothing that could go wrong, uh, all the wheels are going to be turned. But when something goes wrong, I think something's going to go very wrong. And I think uh, th this is this is the one. I don't know if they're going to uh, lose a game for the rest of the season. Probably not looking at that schedule. But uh, 
I think Indiana pulls it off. I just have a feeling. I think you're right when you talk about the way Ohio State will lose because I think the only way Ohio State loses a football game is if they don't win the mental game. If their team isn't there, they don't get up for a game the way they need to be, and they just look flat, they look tired, they look unprepared. And if they look unprepared and they're not there, then they lose by 10 or more points. Um, And this game, I like to talk about NCAA football 14 a lot on this show. It's one of the best video games ever made, in my opinion. This is like, if you're an NCAA football player, this is like when you look at the matchups and each team has ratings, um, every rating, all the arrows are pointed towards Ohio State. Whether you play uh, an NCAA 14 and it's, it's a numerical system or in the older games where it has the A+, plus, A-, minus, C+, plus, whatever grades, Ohio State has the better grade in every area. Overall, coaching, football, or offense, defense, all of that, it's all pointed towards Ohio State but not by huge margin. And that's the thing is that Indiana is good enough where if Ohio state slips up, they can take advantage of it. I just don't think Ohio state slips up in a game like this. I've just got a feeling just a, a feeling. And, and let me say, if I was an Indiana fan, I would have that feeling too. Cause because beating Penn state week one felt improbable. Now we look back on it in hindsight, it's like, well, Penn state's not really Penn state this season, but it felt improbable then. Then you go and you beat Michigan the way you did. I would have that exact same feeling as an Indiana fan. And maybe it's just my Ohio State fandom that has me feeling the other way. Um, but I just think Ohio State's too strong to let Indiana beat them. Um, I hope Indiana loses this game and then they win every other game by 20-plus points for the rest of the season. I want to see Indiana at the New Year's Six or at the very least the Citrus Bowl. I want them, I want them to succeed. I just can't see it happening on Saturday. And listen, let's say just – my scenario plays out. Indiana wins the game. It shocks the world. Playoffs? Well, <laughs> I was actually just about to say this. Um, and I've been thinking about this. I think, you know, the, you know, the ESPN playoff predictor they show you uh, during the ABC nightly game and during all the sports center or college ball um, playoff preview shows, how it, it always shows numbers that you kind of like, I don't really agree with that. That doesn't make a lot of sense. I think when they, if let's say Indiana wins this game, let's say they win it by three. Indiana wins a close one at Ohio State and they show this playoff predictor. I think they still have Ohio State over Indiana, which I don't think is right. But knowing the way these things go, the college football analysts and the college football minds are still going to put Indiana ahead. I think playoffs are definitely possible because if you pull off a win against Ohio State, that says a whole lot about your team. But I think if Ohio State loses this game, unless they lose it by a score of like 21 points, their playoff hopes are still alive too, because all you got to do is win out, hope for Indiana to slip up against Wisconsin and or Purdue, go to the Big Ten Championship, win it, or win your crossover game by a huge score, and it's possible you could get in as that number four seed. So I think playoff hopes aren't necessarily dead for either of these teams if they lose, unless Indiana gets blown out like they are in my prediction. Yeah, and and I saw those playoff odds thing last night. Like if Indiana wins. They've got like a 20% chance of getting in. Like, no, they're in the driver's seat in the Big Ten if they win this game. And it's not even a question for me. Those those playoff predictors, so many questionable scenarios they give you. Don't ever take everything you hear from them with a grain of salt. Because I'm not not, – I mean, even on on the night before the selection uh, show, they'll show a team with over 50% chance of getting in. They don't get in. The, The playoff predictor, take it with a grain of salt. It means basically nothing. 
And I think Indiana, it doesn't matter what happens in this game, Indiana is going to be disrespected. And that's just the way it goes. Right. No matter if they, even if they win, it's, I kind of see him being ranked behind like Clemson who lost to Notre Dame. I think if Indiana wins a close one, they might be ranked behind Ohio state, knowing the way the AP poll votes, the AP poll this year has been a disgrace. I mean, Ohio state is ranked behind Notre Dame right now. Which is a joke, by the way, that's just a joke. It's horrible. If you put Northwestern is still hardly even in the top 20. I hate the AP poll. I could get into this more, but, uh, move on and it's not like the, the computers the bcs computers are much better is the thing yeah. uh college but i guess that's poll- why we don't have the ap poll choosing the playoff thank god right yeah i think the playoff poll over the ap poll mm-hmm. ap poll is horrible and we're gonna get the first playoff poll this coming week so uh stay tuned for that Ready for that so that's our prediction for that game that took a very long time uh i think the rest of them will be a little shorter so but hey it's the first and ten bowl that's what it is it's the first and ten bowl these biggest are the game of the season for the first and ten so it's the biggest hey. game of the season in the Big Ten until yeah, it's but Exactly. So if that's the varsity match, then the JV match is the Big Ten West championship or de facto championship between number 10 Wisconsin and number 19 Northwestern at 3.30 p.m. on ABC. Uh, by the way, the big noon kickoff Fox crew will be in Columbus for the number nine Hoosiers and the number three Buckeyes. Let's get into this Wisconsin-Northwestern matchup. Uh, I've got a similar feeling to what I did for Indiana and Ohio State. Except with Northwestern, I think it's that they match up perfectly against Wisconsin. Wisconsin is a pass-heavy team. Uh, Their running backs are unproven. And as much as I think Jalen Berger's got a chance to become a really good running back, uh, he's starting to look like the feature guy for Wisconsin. He's unproven. Uh, And you know what Northwestern's got? Number one, just an elite defense across the board, but elite defensive backs who can clamp down any passing attack in the country, really. This is a great defense. That's what I said in the beginning of the season. It's why Adam winning the Big Ten West in the beginning of the season. I think that holds up this week. I think that Graham Mertz faces his first true defensive test. Keep in mind, he's lit up Illinois and Michigan. Two awful defenses, two awful teams, really. He's lit them up. He's going to find a rude awakening this week in Evanston, and I like the Northwestern Wildcats beating the Wisconsin Badgers. I could see that. I think Indiana-Ohio State is the game of the week. That's uh, what we're calling it, and that's what really everybody seems to be calling it. It's varsity versus JV for me. Yeah, but this one this one could be the Big Ten's game of the year when it's all said and done because the stakes are so high, and I think these teams are more evenly matched than Ohio State and Indiana. I think this will be a close game. It'll be exciting. Like I said, stakes are high. It's everything you want in a, in a game, and I'm kind of disappointed this one isn't the 730 uh, ABC game, but I get it because um, – Big Ten fans have seen what they need to see at Northwestern, but the college football national landscape um, still is a bit skeptical of them. At least you can tell in the rankings um, and just what people are saying online, uh, all the rankings and polls and predictions. So this is for college football fans with culture. This is for college football fans who know what they want and what they like in college football. This is the game you want to be watching at 3.30. If you're, I mean, this is, it is an ABC game, so it's still going to be a big uh, national game, but if you're not, if you don't have channel two on at three 30, what are you doing? Anyway, I agree with you that Graham Morris might struggle. I think it's going to be his first college struggle because he went up against, he looked great in the first two weeks, by the way, he went up against Illinois and Michigan. Those are two of the worst defenses in the big 10. And he looked phenomenal against them, but they're still Illinois, Michigan. Now he's going up against one of the best defensive back units in the big 10, a defense who seems to get multiple interceptions every game. 
They shut down the other team's offense well. Um, and they did it against Purdue last week. I mean, they didn't pick off uh, Aiden Connell at all, Aiden O'Connell, but they made him complete less than 50% of his passes. And O'Connell's not a great quarterback, but you can see um, they can go against the best of the best in terms of offenses in the Big Ten and get it done. So I think Graham Mertz struggles. Um, he'll still look good, but he's just not going to be able to air it out the way he's used to um, when he goes and faces these Northwestern DBs. So I think Mertz might have to be contained into a more short pass system, which I don't really like, although I think it works out better than Penix, for example, um, being a more short pass quarterback because Mertz in their first game against Illinois, they tried to ease him into the system through more like five, 10 yard passes. And it wasn't amazing, but it worked out well enough. They moved the ball. They got touchdowns. They got in the end zone. So I think he struggles to air the ball out. Maybe it throws an early pick, but I think eventually as we get further on into this game, they start to figure out how to use Graham Mertz against Northwestern, and it works out just fine. I think it will still be a close one regardless. I think Wisconsin ends up winning this one 27 to 17. It won't be it, – it'll be closer than the score, or at least my score prediction um, indicates. It'll be a close game through four quarters. Wisconsin will pull away in the final five minutes or so, I think. But this is going to be one of the best Big Ten games of the season. You definitely want to watch this one. Oh, it's certainly going to be a great game. Uh but I think it comes down to uh, what the scoreboard looks like. And I know that's an obvious thing to say for a game. Like, yeah, it comes down to what the scoreboard looks like. One team's got more points, they're going to win. Here's what a guy, when he has more points, he wins a game. John Madden. Then we had John Madden on the uh, on the show with Whoa. us. Oh, we're going to score more points for the game. Boom. Brett Favre. Anyway. <laughs> uh, First and 10 impressions. We need to get Tommy on here to do some impressions. He's better. We do need some Tommy impressions. Uh, we got to get him on for Indiana Purdue or something. Something. Uh, what it takes is if if this game gets into the 30s, if Wisconsin Wisconsin's going to be the team that crosses the 30 point mark uh, before Northwestern, I think. If Wisconsin crosses 30 points, then Wisconsin's winning the game. If Wisconsin doesn't score more than 30 points, Northwestern's winning the game. Northwestern 27 24 is my pick. I think Northwestern defense clamps them down. I like that pick. And I think. No matter who ends up winning, it's going to be in the 20s range. So I do like that prediction. While I do think Wisconsin is going to win, that's a very likely scenario. Um, but like I said early in the season, I think Northwestern, it's not as true as it, as it was in, in week one, but I think Northwestern is a less put-together team uh, than Wisconsin. They both have similar run games. Wisconsin, uh, similar pass games, but Wisconsin is, uh, I think, better under Graham Mertz, at least through two weeks of playing football. Both have good defenses. Um, the, the only real thing that truly sets Northwestern apart or above of Wisconsin is the DBs. They do have some of the best defensive backs in the country, which I'm actually kind of surprised that we haven't seen any uh, national talk from uh, more national analysts um, about this defensive back unit at Northwestern, but they can shut anybody down. I think they shut Mertz down. It just won't be enough in the end, I think. Um, Peyton Ramsey is a great quarterback. I don't know if he has the clutch gene to pull off a win like this late. I think Peyton Ramsey is a clutch quarterback. Uh, and we saw it at Indiana last season. You saw his, his game winner against Purdue. Uh, you Not saw against him. Tennessee though. Not in the bowl game. Pass. I, that game didn't happen. Uh, anyway, uh, there was no Gator Bowl last year. Funny fact. Uh, and, he, and he was clutch against Nebraska though. Uh, Nebraska and Purdue games last year. Those, those come to mind for me when, when I think of Peyton Ramsey. Uh, those were some of his defining games as an Indiana Hoosier. I think he's a clutch quarterback and I think he's going to get it done this week. Yeah. Um, I mean, I can't deny that Rams is clutch quarterback. 
It's just at a certain point, I don't think he's enough to beat Wisconsin. I think Wisconsin is, once again, similarly to Ohio State, but on a smaller scale, an overall more well-rounded team. And I think we've said this for a lot of games this year. We're gonna, I'm going to say this later in the episode. I think talent wins out. I think that's what's going to happen in this Wisconsin game. Still will be close. Still will be a great game. Wisconsin is just the better team. All right. So you can see that game at 3.30 on ABC. Big Ten East and Big Ten West, de facto championships this week. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. I can't wait. So let's get into some of these other games. Uh, they are all far less interesting, uh, just from an objective standpoint, than those two games. I mean, de facto championships for divisions, absolutely sign me up. But Michigan State at Maryland, uh, we don't even know if this game is going to be played. Uh, it's going to be at noon. It's going to be on BTN. And I think it's going to be a blowout. If it happens, if it even happens, because we're, we're recording this uh, a few days before the game. Uh, we've got, what, two or three more days before this game could be called off. Uh, this game might not happen at all. I wouldn't yeah, be Yeah, those uh, Maryland COVID cases. Yeah, they could call it off like they did against right. Ohio Maryland, State. Maryland's COVID cases. Because uh, mm-hmm. obviously, uh, you know, the, the quarantine period, two weeks regularly, but three weeks if it's the Big Ten. So if their positive cases keep piling up, which uh, is totally possible given the incredibly viral nature of this, well, virus, uh, they don't call it a virus for nothing. Uh, it's entirely likely that this game is canned. But at the same time, we're going to preview it and think that it's going to happen. We're going to go in with that mindset. So if it does happen, I think that Maryland is just a much better football team than Michigan State and beats them by a lot. I've got Maryland in this one, 35-7. to seven. I'm going to have to disagree with you on this one. And as shocking as it may sound, I'm going to go ahead and say Maryland should win this game. They're just better. They have a much better quarterback. And if Michigan State lets Tolia do anything, um, this game shouldn't be close. For Kim Jarrett as well. Uh, I think he torches Michigan State on a regular day. But considering how this season has gone, I feel like i got to pick Sparty. This just seems like a game that they win, considering the way we've seen games like the Minnesota-Maryland game, Illinois Rutgers game, especially last week, Nebraska, Penn State, these types of games, the way they unfold, um, there's always going to be one game, at least one game every week that just goes the complete opposite way you expected for that reason only. And there's no real on the field tactical reason. I think Michigan State wins this game. It's purely the surprise or 2020 ridiculousness angle. I have Michigan State shocking the Big Ten East once again and winning 21 to 20. I think it's hard to hold this Maryland team to 20 points. They are just a high-flying offense. And uh, Northwestern did it week one. There were still a lot of new moving parts in that Maryland offense. This wasn't the same Maryland team, uh, in all honesty. Uh, But Northwestern did it week one. They have an elite defense, one of the best in the entire country. Michigan State's got a bad defense, just a flat-out bad defense. And Peyton Thorne, assuming he's the starter, he came in in relief for Rocky Lombardi in the Indiana game. Assuming Peyton Thorne's the starter, this is his first collegiate start. He has never started a college game before, and it's not like he was that much better than Rocky Lombardi against Indiana. They were both pretty bad, although Rocky Lombardi was far worse, and I think Peyton Thorne is hopefully an upgrade if you're a Sparty fan. Maryland's looked elite on offense, and the defense has been there. It's not been the worst defense ever. I mean, it's not been great. I don't even know if it's been good, but The offense is really, really good. And the fact that Michigan State has been so bad on both sides of the ball in every game except for the Michigan game 
leads me to believe that Maryland is just the better team and is going to win this game. And I get your surprise factor. It is 2020. But, hey, who knows? It could happen, Reed. I'm got- feeling the Thorn magic. There's not a lot of tape on him. I mean, hell, I tried watching tape over him this offseason. There's pretty much zero on any yeah. sort of – All you've uh, got is the, the Indiana platform, game, really. Other than a few high school snaps. Um, but I just got a feeling Thorn is going to be – um, enough to put Michigan State over the line, and I think that Talia might struggle for no reason. Not that Michigan State's going to make him struggle. I just think, knowing it's 23, I, th- I just think he has a bad day. He goes out, he's not himself. And the thing is, this Maryland team is so reliant on two players, Talia Tagovailoa and Rakim Jarrett, that if one of them is off, that's a huge dent um, in this Terrapins offense. So right. I'm going Sparty. Interesting pick, Raid. We have not agreed once so far. What did I used to say in our intro? What did I say in episode one? I am not afraid to be bold. Reed Murray is not afraid to be bold. And, and neither are you this episode. You've picked two, I picked two I picked two underdogs. Yeah. I don't know how much of an upset Northwestern is. I think. Yeah, I, I, it's technically an upset. If you had to classify one team. I think Northwestern and Wisconsin Northwestern. are pretty evenly matched. I think they're pretty evenly matched as well. But Indiana I mean, is certainly an upset. But uh, yeah. I'm not afraid to be bold. Reed Murray is certainly not afraid to be bold. Uh how bold are you going to get, Reed? Let's go uh, with the next game, Illinois at Nebraska, another noon BTN game. I don't know how they're going to divide those off between uh, BTN and the BTN alternate uh, with Michigan State and Maryland. Illinois got their first win of the season last week. Uh, Isaiah Williams, I think this week is going to be the first week for uh, their quarterback, Brandon Peters, to come back. I'm fairly certain because the positive test was on uh, the Saturday, the Purdue game, which was I believe three weeks ago this week. Uh, so he could come back going by the Graham Mertz timeline because I agree. I believe Graham Mertz took his test on a Saturday too, and it came back positive on Sunday. So uh, he had 21 days after that Saturday and he came back last Saturday. Uh, so by going by that timeline, I think Brandon Peters will be back this week, but I don't even know if he's the starter over Isaiah juice box Williams, as we like to call him here on the first and 10. Uh, so I'm thinking juice box is probably going to be the starter for Illinois, uh, given that he led him to a win and Brandon Peters led him to a 45 to seven loss. So I'm thinking it's juice box Williams at QB. And I'm thinking for Nebraska, this is probably the end of the road for Adrian Martinez. I think you're right. And uh, early on, you said this game was on BTN, but the sort NCAA.com has it listed as Fox sports one. Um, I believe that's where you can find that game. Well, maybe um, it got moved. Uh, I'm looking at it. You told me BTN. <laughs> Yeah, well, either way, either BTN or Fox Sports 1, uh, I guess, check your local listings. But uh, I think you're right about this being the end of the road for Adrian Martinez. I think the same applies to Brandon Peters. I think Juicebox Williams, better quarterback. He's He definitely has brought a new spark to this Illinois offense. Also, the fact that if Peters, this will be his first or second day back on Saturday, I don't think you want to throw a guy like him into the offense. I mean, Wisconsin did it. This was, it was first, it was Graham Mertz's first possible day he could have been back. He came in and was a starter, but I think that's because Wisconsin relies way more on Mertz than Illinois does on Peters. Um, I think you at least got to give Williams another week to see what he can do um, against, I mean, it's a pretty big game for Illinois. Throw him in a big game um, against Nebraska. I think you want to see how he does here. If I'm Lovey Smith, I am starting Isaiah Juicebox Williams as my quarterback. And I don't even know about another week for Isaiah Williams, I'd say at least another half. You got to see what you got. He got the win last week, so you got to go with the winner. You, you play to win the game, obviously. I think so too. 
I think so too. And let's I say think you better at least game, give him a game. The, the fact Steve. of the matter is that the passing game was bad last week for Illinois. They still won. They won the game. The passing game was awful. But if they're struggling to run the ball, if the run game is that not there against Nebraska, then I think they pull Williams at the half and maybe Brandon Peters goes in or maybe another backup goes in. I don't know. But if the run game is not there, then they're going to have to turn to the pass game in the second half, and Isaiah Williams just can't pass the ball. And so, you're right about Williams being, not being able to pass the ball. But early on against Wisconsin, could Peters even pass the ball? I mean, it's not like their passing game was anything exceptional (laughs) before Williams. So it's not even that big of a downfall. Their offense wasn't passing the ball with any efficiency before Williams came in. So the fact that the passing game isn't there now, I don't think is too drastic of an issue or an issue that's going to be solved by playing a Brandon Peters who hasn't touched a football in 21 days. So I think Williams is definitely your guy here. And I would say this game is a must win for Nebraska if they want to salvage bull hopes because that win against Penn State last week was huge, but that's not going to be enough. And I think even if they do win this game, they don't get into a bowl game. But if they want to, they absolutely have to get it done. Um, so I would call this a must win. Um, I agree. I, think both... I totally Sorry, that... agree. Totally agree. Yeah. Um, and both of these teams run similar styles of play. Neither team passes the ball exceptionally well. I think Nebraska, you can – pretty clearly see that they pass the ball better than Illinois does. But even that isn't saying much. Um, The bar is not too high when comparing these two teams. Both offenses are much more run oriented, whether you have Martinez or McCaffrey quarterback, I think it's gotta be McCaffrey this week for Nebraska, but no matter the quarterback, it's going to be a more run heavy offense. Same thing with Illinois. They're going to run the ball more often, especially with Williams under center. So both teams run similar styles of play. Nebraska simply has better athletes across the board in offense. They're just a flat-out better team. They recruit better. I think their coaching is slightly better. Um, so at the end of the day, it's really just one team playing against a worse version of themselves. It's really just the A team playing against the B team. This is just the spring game, and I think Nebraska wins it. I think Nebraska wins it too. Uh, Nebraska is uh, – you. it's you versus the guy that she told you not to worry about meme – uh, this is the same team, but Reed's right. Nebraska is just a better Illinois. Uh, and I think Nebraska wins it. I think Nebraska wins it 24 to 14. That's my prediction. And knowing Nebraska, there's no way they're going to pull away with a huge win. I think Illinois keeps it close, especially because Illinois showed they can run the ball last week. And now they're going up against the defense who is really just inept. So I think they keep it close. They put a decent amount of points on the board. I have the Huskers winning this one 34 to 28. Yeah, I don't see Illinois scoring 28 points. Uh, I just don't – I have no confidence in this Nebraska defense. That's honestly. the other thing. You got, you got to remember that. But I don't know how much confidence I have in the Illinois offense uh, to do anything except for rack up a bunch of running yards because Williams is a great runner. But uh, when it comes down to it, you got to pass the ball a little bit. And uh, Nebraska can pass the ball a little bit, uh, mostly dump-offs uh, to Wondell Robinson. But – uh, Illinois can't even pass a little bit if Williams is the quarterback. So I have to go with Nebraska. Yeah, I like that pick. You said, how bold are you willing to get? Not bold enough to pick Illinois in this one. I love being bold, but this is just too much. Now, this one is pretty cut and dry, if you ask me. Uh, so you can see that game on 12 p.m. Uh, Eastern time, 11 central. Uh, that's either on BTN or FS1. Apparently, our sources conflict. Uh, check your local listings. Next game, let's get into uh, 3.30 on BTN. At least it says BTN here on ESPN.com. I don't know what it says on your website, Reed. <laughs> Iowa at Penn State. The 0-4 Penn State Nittany Lions versus 
two and two Iowa Hawkeyes. Iowa's rolling. They've won two straight. Uh, and I think Iowa wins it again. It's tough to see Penn State winning the game. They are just so down in the dumps. But if they're going to win it, it's going to be because Will Levis has a great game. I think so, too. I would say Iowa, for the first time in a long time, might actually be the better team in this matchup. Because every year Penn State plays Iowa, it's usually a close one. It was last year. It was a few years ago. But it's you've always been able to see Penn State's a better team. This one, Iowa might be the object, might be objectively the better team. Um, I think, though, that the change of quarterback for Penn State, Will Levis, going in for Sean Clifford is going to be the difference maker. I think Will Levis will lead the Penn State in a line to victory, as weird as that is to say, Penn State being 0-4 this season. And I think Iowa needs to run the ball. That's going to be challenging against a strong D-line for Penn State. And if they try to pass it, that very D-line is going to make it hell for Spencer Petras. However, with that being said, I think Penn State wins it. But every time I've picked Penn State to win, they've lost. So my official pick is actually going to have to be an Iowa 31-28 to 28 win. I, I, My pick would be Penn State, but I can't put any faith into them. So if I want to see Penn State actually get a win, if I want to be right, I have to be wrong. As paradoxical as that seems, my pick is Penn State, but my official pick, my official scoreline is a 31-28 to 28 Iowa Hawkeyes win. Reed, what you got to keep in mind is every time you've picked Penn State to win, they've lost. Every time you've picked Penn State to lose, they've lost. Every game Penn State has pay- played this season, they have lost. They are no, that's lost. true. However, the first two games, um, you could have expected them to lose. Indiana Indiana was still considered an upset at the time, but that was something you could see coming. Same with Ohio State. Nobody you couldn't see the Maryland one coming. Nobody saw the Maryland one coming. And you could say uh, that considering their form against uh, those in those first three games that you could have seen Nebraska coming, but even then I would consider that an upset. So this is another game where I think Penn State could be favored. Um, I, I don't think they they are, but they could be favored. Um, and it would be this is another game where it would be disappointing if Penn State lost. Whereas the first right. two, it's much more acceptable. You can move on from that. This is another game where it's horrible if you lose. So that's the real difference there. Is yes, they've lost every game, but the ones I've picked them are ones where it seems like they ought to be winning. Right. And this is, this is a lot like Illinois, Nebraska, neither team's going to pass the ball. And that's not because uh, they can't, I think Penn state's got some awesome receivers. Uh, Will Levis is just not a great passing quarterback. And we've seen when Sean Clifford tries to throw the ball, it goes comically bad. Uh, Iowa can't pass the ball because Spencer Petras is just not very good. Sorry. Uh, Iowa has been rolling though. They've been running the ball. Well, that's how they win games. Iowa wins it uh, 27-21. I like the Hawkeyes, and I think it's going to be another big game for Tyler Goodson, who cements himself as the second-best running back in the entire Big Ten uh, behind Muhammad Ibrahim. I think so, too. And uh, if you're watching this game at 3.30, I hope you're a fan of either of these two teams. I hope you're not a <laughs> neutral uh, Big Ten fan or college football fan at checking out Penn State, Iowa. Please save yourself and go watch the Big Quest de facto championship. Go watch Wisconsin Northwestern. I'm begging you. Yeah, there's no reason to, to not watch Indiana and Ohio State at noon and then watch Wisconsin and Northwestern at 3.30. Even if you're not a Big Ten fan, if you're, an SC, if you're a fan of the SEC or, or whatever, ACC, Big 12, those are just the two best games of the day, if you ask me. I, don't, I know Bedlam got college game day and Bedlam got uh, the, the ABC Saturday Night Football game. 
these Big Ten games are just flat out better than anything the Big 12 could in a million years have. The Big 12 is not good. The Big 12 is bad. The Big 10 is good. It's the Big 10. These are the four best teams, and they're playing uh, for divisional championships this week. There's no reason to not watch. So uh, those games will be on this weekend, and we can't wait for them. We got two more games to talk about. Uh, well, first, let's finish our Saturday game, and then we're into the Friday night special. Uh, so the final Saturday game, 7.30 p.m. on BTN, Michigan at Rutgers. Is it weird to say that Rutgers is probably going to be favored? Eh, I don't know if they're going to be favored. No, but no I they just Rutgers, lost to Illinois. They can't be favored. That's the thing. Uh, Rutgers, if they didn't lose last week, could have been favored in this game, and I think they're going to be a trendy pick for a lot of people against Michigan. At the same time, I can't really see this Rutgers team beating Michigan. But Michigan's been so bad to the point of where you don't know what's going to happen any given week. Uh, they've been an absolute free fall and a loss to Rutgers would really just speed up the process of firing Don Brown and maybe Jim Harbaugh. Yeah, if you're a Michigan fan, you might actually want them to lose this game to get all the dead wood out of the coaching staff. Um, but even then, I, I, don't, I, don't, I think even a loss here would not be enough to uh, make Don Brown leave or not leave, but get fired. Um, and on one hand, I think, uh, I think Rutgers, they're overhyped and they, they really shouldn't win this game, but you look at Michigan, I mean, they lost to Michigan state. Michigan state is awful and they lost to them. So this is the bowl of teams you can't put any faith in. And it's, it's kind of crazy that a Michigan-Rutgers game is a toss-up. It's crazy to even say that. Um, at the end of the day, I think it's just a matter of who is the most overhyped or who's the biggest letdown. Um, and, again, it's hard to say Rutgers is a letdown because they're Rutgers. Um, but people saw that Michigan State win. They expected um, big things from them. They haven't delivered. I think that will continue this week. I think they beat a – or I think they lose to a down-bad Michigan team um uh, and it's gonna be such an ugly one i got michigan winning this one 24 21 gonna be a hideous game yeah reed you're absolutely right this is a terrible 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 game that nobody should watch uh i said that, that bedlam is not going to be fun and the big 12 sucks <laughs> bedlam is a billion times better than, than this 7 30 game this is the best the big 10 could do for a night game give me a break i mean Wisconsin and Northwestern deserves the night game 10 times out of 10 over this. But, Reed, you called this game a toss-up. Here's the thing. I've got a special for all of our viewers on YouTube. I've got this penny right here. 2014 Abe Lincoln. There it is. This is the head side. For those of you on YouTube, I'm sorry to our, uh, our traditional podcast listeners. Uh, this is the tail side. Reed, is Michigan heads or tails? Michigan is tails. Michigan I can never tails. get Michigan. Michigan is tails. Rutgers is heads. I'm flipping a coin because I don't know who's going to win this game. It's heads. All right. The Rutgers Scarlet Knights are going to win this game. Uh, Michigan is an absolute free fall, and uh, any team could walk out onto the field and beat them, including Rutgers, who's going to have the home field advantage. Uh, and I know there's no fans there, but – uh, they're traveling. Michigan's traveling. And uh, Rutgers, you know, a lot of New Jersey kids on both sides of this game. Uh, a lot of New Jersey players on Michigan. We interviewed one. Uh, a lot on Rutgers, too. 
Uh, these Rutgers players, they're the under-recruited ones. They're the ones who didn't get that Michigan offer in most cases. They've got a lot to prove, and I think Rutgers proves it. The coin doesn't lie, Reed. The coin does not lie. Well, we'll see if the coin lies. We'll find out it's at, entirely at possible uh, 730. However, for the, for the sake of my argument, coin doesn't lie. We will see. We better hold that coin accountable if it does lie. I am, uh, I'm going to frame this coin and send it to a lucky Rutgers fan if they pull it off. That would be fun, yeah. Um, it would be fun to laugh at Michigan after this one. But at the end of the day, I just think Rutgers isn't a good enough team. Um, but God, this one is just, it's just so hard to pick both these teams. It doesn't matter who's on the field for either of these teams. They're going to let you down. They're not going to get it done. We've seen it this week. They both lost uncharacteristically to Michigan state and, and uh, Illinois respectively. So this one, this is the hardest game of the week to pick, honestly. Like even you look at Wisconsin Northwestern, that's a difficult game to pick. Indiana, Ohio State, you could even say it's difficult. But this one, it's the most difficult because you can't really look for very much positives on either side of the ball. One thing I want to point out, though, is I think Bo Melton for Rutgers is going to go off against these Michigan DBs. He has proved himself um, to be a top receiver. He's definitely the best receiver in Rutgers. Um, and he could sneak his way into top 10 Big Ten receiver lists. Um, we'll see. We're probably going to do one of those at some point this year. Oh, he's certainly love, top 10. Just because we love receivers so much in the show. But um, I think when you pair him with Noah Bedrill, who's a who's a okay quarterback, uh, and you put him against these Michigan DBs, I don't think Michigan stands much, much of a chance. And I think Rutgers gets three scores off of it. Yep, I've got Rutgers getting three scores too. Uh, I've got Rutgers winning this game 21-17 to 17 over Michigan. Hopefully the coin does not lie, Reed. Uh, we will see, though. Final game, the Friday night special. Uh, all those games we talked about are going to be on Saturday. This is the Friday night game. Second straight week, we're getting the Minnesota Golden Gophers on a Friday night. They're hosting Purdue at 730 on BTN. Minnesota's played a lot of Friday night games this year, more than any team in the conference. I believe they're playing three. This is their final one. Uh, Purdue coming off a disappointing loss uh, to Northwestern. Didn't look like they had a whole lot of fight in them until the very end. Northwestern was just a better team. Minnesota's had no fight all season. And uh, if you were not in on David Bell before this game, go put all your stock in David Bell right now because you'll look very smart. Minnesota has the worst defense in the conference. Uh, yes, it's worse than Michigan's. Go watch the Minnesota-Michigan game for proof. Purdue has a great offense, especially if Rondell Moore were on the field, which it's kind of looking like Rondell Moore is not going to be on the field. Doesn't matter. Xander Horvath, good running back. He's going to get it done. But David Bell is going to be the star of the show. It's going to be David Bell. Uh, and if you can't get enough of David Bell, you'll get some Milton Wright too. Purdue's going to win this game. Purdue's going to win this game big. I've got the Boilermakers here, 35 to 10. I agree with your winner. I don't agree with the score. Purdue wins this game, no doubt. But I have a feeling knowing them, they find a way to make it look ugly. Yeah, good point. You also got to consider <laughs> this is going to be another game where Mo Ibrahim looks incredible against one of the worst defenses in the Big Ten. And overall in the FCS or the FBS, uh, apologies. Uh, Minnesota might as well have an FCS defense at this point, honestly. One thing I got to look for in this game, though, is I am just begging Tanner Morgan to show some signs of life. Do something other than passing the ball um, at an extremely mediocre rate or handing it off to Mo Ibrahim. I want to see him be able to throw to somebody other than Rashad Bateman on a consistent basis, get yards. I want to see Minnesota be able to pass the ball this game. 
And again, I don't think it happens. But I think uh, the reason Minnesota gets so many points is just Mo Ibrahim. He himself is a big enough factor to make Minnesota look the slightest bit strong. At the end of the day, though, it's not enough to combat Purdue. You you put this Purdue offense against just a horrible, horrible Minnesota D. They're going to get it done. Like you said, David Bell and Milton Wright going to torch them. At the end of the day, the better offense just wins out. You know what? I didn't give Minnesota enough credit. Uh, I feel bad for Mo Ibrahim, so I'm going to give him an extra touchdown. 35-17 is my final for the Boilermakers. Uh, just a pity touchdown for Mo Ibrahim. Just a... Uh, I'm so sorry that you have to play on this awful team this season, uh, Mo Ibrahim. That is terrible, and uh, I send my regards. <laughs> That's it our show for today. It me to say these kind of things, these awful things about Minnesota. It really does. It does, yeah. It's, they hurt me even worse, so whatever. You'll see this game Friday night on BTN, 7.30 p.m. That'll be our show for this week. Thank you for listening, as always, to the First and Ten podcast. Uh, two new episodes coming out. Uh, this weekend and uh, this coming week, we're going to have both a recap for week five, plus our midseason awards picks. Uh, so stay tuned for that. A lot of good content coming here on the first and 10 for Patrick. One more thing. Right. One more thing. One more um, thing. Obviously, we got Indiana, Ohio State, the first and 10 bowl this weekend. We're going to be putting on our Instagram story. We want to have a suggestion box for bets or challenges for the loser of this game what what it's going to be is if ohio state loses straight up i have to do some sort of bet or some sort of uh challenge if indiana doesn't cover the 21 point spread patrick loses it he has to do the bet so we're going to put this on our instagram story put in some suggestions we'll choose whichever one we like more maybe it's where something funny in our next video episode or maybe it'll be an entirely separate video uh we don't know whatever you guys come up with uh we like the best be creative, be fun, and please give us uh, something to laugh at here. Anyway, I I that's do. all I got for today. I want to laugh. I'm thinking what I want to do. I want to buy – loser has to buy somebody some really good food, a real nice meal. They got to get shipped to their house because I want Reed to learn all the best restaurants in Indianapolis when Indiana well, – I've already – well, I've already eaten at one of the best restaurants in Indiana, Buffaloes. So I, I'm, not gonna I'm not going to be in Bloomington. I'm not going to be in Bloomington, but uh, – True. We love Buffalo. We've got the cup here. Uh, I'll be in Indianapolis. I want Reed to see the best restaurants in the city. I want him to order it for me. Uh, but that's our show for this week. Thank you for listening. Have a good one. Uh, have a lot of fun watching these games this weekend. For Reed, I'm Patrick. Have a good one. Bye.